Hi guys, welcome to the Two Moms Zero Attention Spam Podcast. I'm Jess. I'm Allison. And today we are going to be talking about respectful parenting and teens. And I think this is one of the biggest misconceptions that people have about respectful parenting is what it looks like in the teenage years. And Allison, you have a really interesting perspective on this because you have teens that are respectful parented and you were a teen who wasn't. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's a... You know, when I was growing up as a teenager, I was the typical out-of-control teenager. My parents tried super hard. My parents were involved. They were there. They were present. But they still had that I said it, you do it mentality because that's all they knew when they were doing the best with the tools they had. But what that did for me and my personality and who I was, it made me want to do the opposite it's kind of the saying like if you tell her not to date him she probably liked him at a four but now that you said that she likes him at a 10 and that was kind of me growing up and now with my teens that are now almost seven seven seventeen seventeen and eighteen um there is a vast difference because I watch my my girls be so careful about who they accept in their life and I watch them not settle for less like by the time I was their age I dated four or five guys. They were all crappy. I was I was just an emotional wreck, basically. And my two oldest, they haven't been in serious relationships because they haven't met anyone that met their non-negotiables. And my youngest has been in a healthy relationship for a few, few years. So even that aspect is so different from the things I was doing as a teenager. Um, and I really give credit to respectful parenting for that and the open communication that it brings to a relationship. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things. So that I remember specifically with my teenage years is that I could talk to my mom about anything. I could tell her about anything. I could talk to her about boys and who I liked and my friend groups and, you know, all of those things. And, and it helps to it one, it did give me a level of respect for my mom because I was able to talk with her, to communicate with her, to have that very open conversation. And when you feel like you're getting respect from somebody, you automatically are giving it back to them. So what I was saying though was, I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions that people have about these teens, that these are the teens that are going to have no respect for anybody, that they're going to be entitled. They're the ones who don't care about other people and their property or anything like that. Um, You know, because they grew up their whole life with this entitled attitude. And Mm -hmm. I I couldn't find that to be farther from the truth Me too, Um, because I respected my parents, specifically my mom, more than anybody in the world. And as a teenager, I looked up to her. I wanted to treat others the way that I had been treated. I wanted to make other people feel the way that I had been made to feel, which is respected and with kindness and to feel good and built up. I I think, think, I think too, is having that individual relationship with your teenager. And when you do, I think as far as the dating thing, let me go back for a second. I knew the type of person my parents wanted me to date. I knew the type, I knew how they wanted them to look. I knew how they wanted them to dress. I knew the kind of house they expected them to live in. I knew. So every time I liked someone that maybe didn't meet one of those qualifications, I would lie about who he was or, or where he lived or things like that. Um, And I think a lot of the judgment that comes from parents that they project onto their children forces teenagers to lie about things like that as well. Um, I think dating is such a huge part of the teenage experience and it has to be done safely and carefully. And as far as that goes, I wanted my children to get to know people before they made the decision to start dating them. Whereas I just jumped into the relationship. I just jumped in. I never, my parents, 
were more, they reacted to things instead of being proactive, where with my girls, I want their self-esteem to be in the right place. I want their maturity to be in the right place to be able to handle those things. So they're not in a toxic teenage relationship and things like I was. But I also think teenagers, they're going to make mistakes. And like we've talked about before, when they do make a mistake or make a choice we don't agree with, it's it's so important to your relationship with them and the trust between you is how you handle those things. And if one of my teenagers made a choice that I did not agree with or didn't think was safe for them, and I attacked it from the point of saying, give me your phone, you're punished, I can't believe you did that, and I was super reactive, the next time they're probably not going to feel safe coming and talking to me, right? Because that's what happened with me. My parents would be so reactive because they were trying to help. They were trying to say, this isn't okay, this isn't safe, you can't do this. Mm -hmm. They didn't tell me why I couldn't do it or what I could do instead or how to avoid those things. And I just, it all wraps back around to the communication between you and your child. That's actually interesting that you say that. So when I was a freshman in college, I started college at 17. Um, And I was still talking to my parents every single day. I talked to my dad every single day at the same time. Every day I talked to my mom and, um, and I was on the soccer team. So I was friends, you know, a lot of times when you're a freshman, you really only make friends with freshmen, but because I was an athlete, I was friends. I had made friends with everybody in all different age groups and Mm -hmm. the seniors, the freshmen, and a lot of the seniors friends. So I had met this guy at a party who was friends with the seniors and he was 23 and I'm 17. And at the time, 17 and 23, you know, he's newly out of college and I just started college. Doesn't seem like that big of a deal. But I remember telling my parents that I was really into this like guy that I had met. He was a friend of a friend. And, um, and I remember my mom talking to me and my dad talking to me about it. And they were like, well, what do you, what, what do you have in common with a 23 year old? And why would a 23 year old want to be dating a 17 year old? You right. know, you can't get into bars on your own. You can't, you know, and, and I remember even though they weren't mad at me, nobody yelled at me, nobody, they had kind of planted this seed in my head that like, maybe it's not okay to date a 23 year old when you're 17. And I remember too, when I started to come to that realization, it was so sad for me because he was so attractive and he was so like fun and cool. And I like, why couldn't you be 18? Yeah, exactly. But then, but it was in my head. Right. And I remember going to a rated R movie and I'm 17 and it sounds so stupid but I couldn't go to the rated r movie and his friends were and I remember like that was the moment that I was like "Mm, you know maybe they're right my parents have brought up some really valid points (laughs) yeah yeah and I think but that is such a good example of you trusting their opinions and the way that they handle things because what I I dated older guys that were very unsafe and I shouldn't have been dating but when you are met with don't do that. You're never going to see him again. You will not talk to him again. And that's the way it is over my dead body. When you attack it that way, it made me like, oh, he must be really fun because they don't want me to talk to him. What is going on? Why are they, you know, not letting me do it? It made me want to do it more. Where with my kids, even with friendships, if I see something with their friends that is concerning or worrying to me, or I see things in them that I've had in a friend that wasn't healthy. I don't say you will not be friends with her again. You better stop whatever. I say, Hey, I have a concern um, about so-and-so. Is it okay if I share that with you? And then I let them make their decision, but it plants that seed in their mind. Hey, mom sees these things. Maybe I haven't seen them yet because it's an excitement of a new friendship or whatever. 
Um, and I really think they respect those things and take them seriously because of the way I talk to them about it. And you know, what's interesting too, is, um, is my parents also trusted me. So mm -hmm. it's not like anybody said to me, like, Hey, I never want to see you with this person again. Don't talk to them. It's, you know, like it came down on me. Why would you even think that was okay? Gross. You know, whatever yeah. you're in school to learn. Um, nothing, none of that happened. They trusted me. And then I started to come to the realization on my own, right. you know, and it wasn't like I was in a, a dangerous situation or it wasn't like, you know, it was just maybe it was in a, maybe inappropriate. Right, right. And of course I didn't see it at the time because I thought he was awesome and he was so good looking and I was <laughs> and you were That's 17 true. that really you was a 17 year old mind I was 17 yeah. and he was really attractive and he was really cool and really fun and I was and it took me a little bit to put together like hey this really isn't an appropriate match it can't be an appropriate right. match because of the age and because of the experience and because of you know all of those things and um you know but and, and then I did come to the realization. And even when I was sad, I was sad when, when things broke off, it yeah. was only like a few months and I was really sad about it. And nobody was like, who cares? You know, it was, it, it wasn't a, nobody said that my mom was like, oh, you know, and like really talked to me about a it. Loss it like a loss is a loss, even when it's necessary, whether it's a toxic friend who wasn't toxic in the beginning and you've spent six months hanging out with them and you realize they're not who they portrayed and you have to end the friendship or you start dating someone who you find out is not who you thought or whatever the case yeah. may be. Um, you just have to be there and support them in those tough times, because even when it's a necessary loss or breakup or end of a friendship, it's still a loss to them. And it's a, most of the times it's the first time they've navigated these things. So it's how we meet them and all of that. And I really think helping them to build their self-esteem and open communication keeps them safer. Nothing is foolproof because you know, teenagers are going to be making choices. We're not there 24 seven, but when we send them out with good self-esteem, knowing they can call us, if something is scary or they're in a bad situation without judgment, it's just like when, when teenagers might try drinking or pot or whatever else, and they call you and we, you've told them if you're ever in that situation, call me, I'll be right there. You know, just call me, don't do anything else. And then they call you in those situations and you don't keep your word and you freak out. You start yelling, I can't believe you did this. Get upstairs. You're not, you don't have your car for a month. Instead of keeping your word, bringing them home, making sure they're safe, putting them in bed. And then the next day, having a conversation that's meaningful and saying, hey, last night was kind of scary. Can you tell me what happened? Can you tell me what led you up to feeling like that was a good choice? Um, do you think you're going to be doing that again? Like, so that you can get a feel like, did they learn their lesson? Because 99, 100% of the time, kids usually know it's a bad choice before they do it. They're just not able to see the consequences of their actions yet. So they already know that it wasn't a good choice. So badgering them or beating them down is not going to be helpful. And yeah. I do remember uh, a time when my dad was, didn't believe me about a situation. Exactly what you said. I got really sick at a New Year's. My friend and I were house sitting for New Year's. And um, this was in high school. And I ended up getting really sick. I think I got food poisoning or something. I have no idea. 
but I was really sick. I was throwing up all, and uh, I, I called my dad to come get me. And he really thought that we were drinking because it was a new year's party. We, we were house sitting. We right. were like, right, right. And, um, and he really did. And I remember being like, so hurt that he didn't believe me right. that I wasn't drinking. And my mom was like, Gary, she would just tell us if she was drinking. Right. <laughs> That's so funny because the exact opposite was how it was with me. I had gone out and gotten completely obliviated. I was probably 17-ish, maybe 16 actually. And I came home and it was 11 or 12 o'clock at night. My parents were asleep and I had this, this is really disgusting. So trigger warning for sickness, if that bothers you. Um, I had a wicker trash can in my room and that's all I had in there. So you can imagine like the wicker didn't hold it very well. And here comes my mom cause she hears me sick. And she's like, do you have food poison? Like she was so oblivious. Did you eat something bad? Did you eat pizza and brown? Like something like that. Like she just, it never registered in her mind that I was out doing these things. And I was doing really dangerous things that she had. She was so clueless to it. I don't know if she wanted to be clueless or she just couldn't imagine a 16 year old doing that. But it was the polar opposite. I learned, I was like, I really hide these things well. I can really get away with a lot. I was the kid cutting school and going over to the woods for two periods and then coming back before my dad picked me up. Like those were the things I was doing as a teen. And I think that, you know, teenagers are, they're not adults. They're in this weird limbo because they're not adults, but they're not little kids. And we're raising adults. We're not raising children. So we have to give them the ability to have freedom, but it has to be regulated. And I think the way that that starts is when they're preteens letting them know, hey, you're going to be a teenager soon. You're going to want to go out with your friends and go to the mall and drive. And in order for that to happen, we have to have trust between us. So we need to start building that. If I give you my word, I'm going to keep it. I need you to do the same, even if it's hard. And even if you make a mistake or you do something that you don't think is okay, I am here to work through those things with you and let them know you're, you're going to be wanting to do these things. And we have to build trust so I feel safe when you do them. The other thing that my mom did that I really remember um, was before I even got into any of those situations, we had talked about it. We had talked about, and and because again, you know, all of this is built up over a lifetime and there yes. were firm boundaries. There were things that like my parents would have, There, there's a no, it's yeah. not okay with us, but you... It, it, you respect that mm -hmm. you respect your parents and yes. you and you always know that they're not just saying this just to say this because they've explained why and they've talked to you and yeah. you have real conversations about safety issues or the real reasoning behind the the why there is a firm boundary there you know but Absolutely. there were things that my mom talked to me in a more logical way about or in in not such a, a black and white, yes, no, bad, good mm -hmm. sort of way. And I even remember drinking being one of those things when I was going into high school and we were talking about it. And she was like, you know, you might be at a party where people are drinking and you might want to try it. And that that's a situation that you could find yourself in. And if you are, you know. I remember when I was in high school, maybe you take a little sip of this or you maybe right. want to try that, but you have to be really, really careful. Well, like you said, you respect, you respect the no. I can think of a specific time when one of my daughters came to me and she was like, I want to go to this place tomorrow. You know, can I go? And I already knew in my mind, it was an unsafe situation. I didn't want her to be in that situation, but I didn't just say, no, you're not going. I said, why don't we talk about it? So we went upstairs and I was like, can you tell me why you think 
what do you think it's going to be like? Why you really want to go? Like, tell me about that. And she told me, and I was like, I totally understand. I totally get why that sounds so fun. Here are my concerns. And I told her what my concerns are. And she respected the no, because generally she gets yeses because she's making good choices. And she's, you know, I have trust in her and those things. Was she disappointed she couldn't go? Yeah, she was a little disappointed, but she respected it. And I really think our teenagers respect our knows more or you can't do that when we explain it and when we're not saying no for no reason that's another mm -hmm. huge thing is just saying no um i think a lot of parents project like if i projected trying to keep my children safe from the things i did as a teenager i'd never let them out of the house but they're not me my kids don't make the same choices i do even with drinking and it's a different boundary for every family but because my two oldest um, came from a lot of trauma surrounding drugs and alcohol and things like that before they were with us. They don't like being around drinking. I don't like being around drinking. My youngest doesn't. So they're, they hang out with kids that just don't do those things. But that doesn't mean if you're a teenager that does try drinking, that you're a bad teenager. You're just a kid experiencing things for the first time, but every family has their own boundaries surrounding those things. Um, and as long as everyone's on board, because it can't just be the parent making the rule and the kid has to listen, when they're teenagers, it should be um, negotiations and talking and hearing them out and things like that. Yep. Yeah. And I also think, you know, every house has its own rules. Every house yeah. has its own, like what people are comfortable with and, mm -hmm. and this and that. And a lot of people, and you can create your own boundaries for things that you feel comfortable with. You don't have to allow, you know, or not set a boundary around the things that you are not comfortable with. Right. But, but it's about, you know, explaining why talking with your kids and having that communication already established. And I also think if someone would have intervened when I first started going off track around 13 or 14, because I can remember maybe even 12, I can remember my parents saying, you were such a great kid. You were so good and so sweet. And you hit aliens. They would say aliens came and abducted you. I don't know what happened because they had no idea who I really was or what I was going through and things like that. When kids, especially girls, when they start getting hormonal around age nine and things like that, they change. They start turning into young women and need a different kind of conversation. They're not a little child anymore. And you can have high degrees of accountability while still being understanding and giving grace. And I think that's the key. I think that exactly what you just said, high levels of accountability with high levels of acceptance. And, and that's, that's really the key is that we are still holding our kids accountable. There are yes. still consequences for actions. There are still boundaries and they are still firm. But we also accept our children as human beings and as people. Yeah, that, yeah. yeah and advocate for themselves. This, I'll give one more example because I think it's such a good one. You know, when, when your kids start doing chores on their own or responsibilities around the house, um, you know, we say you pick Friday and that's the day your kids clean their room. Well, as my kids got older, they had fair time frames because they might have work or something they're doing with their friends. So then they have Friday to Sunday to do their sheets in their room, their vacuuming, whatever it is. We'll say they did it six weeks in a row. They did it between Friday and Sunday. But then one week they're like, oh, mom, I didn't do it. I was out with my girlfriends. Is it okay if I do it tomorrow? Or I really want to go out with my friends. Can I do it tomorrow? They're going to get that yes for me. And that does not mean they're walking all over me. That just means that they just need a little bit of a break. And that's a non-imperative task. I can't tell you how much backlash I got for letting my kids go out with friends instead of cleaning their room on the 10th time or whatever it was. It's just moments like that. That is that care. Are you doing it for care? 
or control. Is the house going to fall apart if the sheets are done Monday instead of Sunday? No. I think that's a good place to stop. Thanks for hanging out with us and we will see you next time. Thank you.